You can all have a seat. Most of us, you want to stand. Doesn't sound fun to me, but you can go for it. Who's excited to be here? Not bad. Was, can we do better? Who's excited to be here tonight? Right on. I want to open up with uh, our keynote scripture. <laughs> yeah, right on. Sorry. <laughs> you guys did good. First uh, Peter 2, 9 to 10. I don't know if you guys read it yet, but... You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And that's our keynote scripture, and I think it was, oh, it was like February, we were having a Bible study actually right before we chose the scripture, and we were talking about... uh, well, Paul and Silas chained in jail. And we were discussing how it was a God appointment. They were there because the whole jailer's family, I don't know if you know that story well, but the whole jailer's family came to God through that whole event. After the earthquake came, God shook their hearts, really, honestly, and they opened up their hearts to him, and uh, the whole family got saved. So Paul and Silas were there for them. And we were talking about that, and one of the guys in our Bible study group said, uh, Man, I wish God would send an earthquake to my family and to wake them up. And actually, uh, somebody that's here, uh, a good friend of mine, Trent Henry, said, you know what? Maybe you are that earthquake. But you are a chosen people. You are called to affect the generation you're in. So open your hearts to that this weekend. Be get ready to be the earthquake. And let me introduce our speaker tonight, Jonathan Bounds, who is also called to be an earthquake, and I'm sure doing it. <laughs> um, he's a good, good guy. <laughs> I got lost in Vancouver with him one time. He got me lost. We drove in circles for like an hour, and we missed the meeting we're supposed to be in. <laughs> I said, do you remember that time, Jonathan? He's like, I've been lost in so many cities with so many people, I don't remember. <laughs> All right. Everybody give him a hand. Hey, is this this on already? I don't have to do anything. Hey, everybody. It's good to see you. As he was saying that he got lost in movie Vancouver, these two were like, yeah, you got lost in movie somewhere too. He's not kidding. Like, that's happened to me everywhere. I don't get lost by myself, but I get lost with friends um, because I get distracted. So hopefully you don't get too distracted tonight. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you make the journey. How many of you from, like, not from PA, you're from somewhere else? I can't see you, but I'm trusting that you're there. You make noise for a minute. If you're not from PA, you're from somewhere else, just give me a hey or something. There, okay, over here. Hey, guys. Also, PA people, welcome. I can't see you. I trust you're there. God is good, man. I'm so excited to have you guys. I'm excited to be here. Um, And I know that God is, is already speaking. I'm so blessed, even during this time of music, like God is already speaking to you. God is already speaking to us. And um, I remember what it's like coming to youth conferences, young adult conferences. Uh, I remember what it's like when I had zero expectations, and I remember what it was like when I started to build expectation and actually believe that God wanted to do something in my life. Um, that it wasn't just something that I was doing because my parents said you need to be there uh, or my youth leader or whoever but to really believe that God was meeting me there. And it was a youth camp when I was 16 years old that changed everything for me. That was, that was really the difference. And what happened was 
uh, I had some friends of mine. I was on the, the music team. I was playing guitar. But I had some friends that said, you know, tonight we're going to do something we've never done. And we're just going to, like, jump or dance or something. We didn't know how to dance. Like, our generation didn't know any dances. We just knew how to, like, jump up like a pogo stick. That's all we had. We had the mosh pit move. Like, not, not like modern mosh pit. We just had, like, the original mosh pit where you just jump up and down. That's all we had. And so they, but they just said, we're going to do something different. We're going to dance. And it was just like, you know, when you're, when you're young, that maybe you, most of you are young, but like when I was young, like there's this great fear that if I do something a little bit different than everybody else, um, that's going to be me. I'm going to be that guy that did that. And so you're just terrified to do anything different. It was when we broke through that terror, that fear of being different, actually leaned into it. Um, that's where God met us. And it changed our whole youth group. I remember... Um, we, I mean, our whole church caught fire after that, but it was started by the, by the youth group. That, that shifted everything. And so I really believe that God can use times like this. You know, God said to Jeremiah at one point, he said, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and I'm going to talk to you there. And if I were Jeremiah, I might have said, you know, you're already talking to me. Just keep going. Finish it. But God says, you know, you have to go somewhere else. And sometimes in the act of like going somewhere, just purposefully saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to go where God tells me to go because he's going to speak to me there. He can speak to you at home. He wants to. He can speak to you at school. He wants to. But sometimes when you just say, I am going somewhere, I'm going to hear from God. When you have that expectation and you get out of the environment maybe you're used to and you're comfortable with, on the other side of your comfort, that's where God meets you. And a lot of times there's just that moment of breaking through it. You know what I mean? When you, when you read about uh, Chuck Yeager in the 40s breaking the sound barrier, and you read about all these people that kind of came up to the sound barrier, I mean, the sound barrier is not like a physical barrier, but at that speed with the aircraft they had, like, when they got to the sound barrier, stuff started to shake. Their instruments started to go wacky. I mean, it was not the, the sound barrier itself, it was the, it was the, the, the planes that were in weren't, weren't built for that speed, and so a lot of times they got almost to the point, and then they backed back off. Chuck Yeager pushed it with his jet, pushed it through the sound barrier, and, and, and once you get past all that shaking and all that weird stuff, after that, they start building planes that can burst through that in no time. I mean, now we've got jets that are doing Mach 5, Mach 6. That's not unusual, but for a while, it was that one barrier they couldn't get past, and I guarantee you, if you will commit that uh, I'm not going to let that barrier, I'm not going to let that, this is as far as I've ever gone with God, or this is as weird as I've ever been, or this is as, as, as much as I've dared to expect. On the other side of that comfort, on the other side of what you deem my limit, that's often when you're going to meet God in the most real way. So I encourage you to do that tonight. I want to pray with you as we just begin to, to dive into God's word. So pray with me, and we're going to ask God to meet us right here. Father, I thank you that you're in this room. I thank you for your spirit that is on each and every person. Lord, you're in this room moving and, and, and transforming and speaking. Lord, I'm asking that tonight, I'm thankful that you can use my voice, but I'm asking that you speak to every single heart that's open to you. And Lord, the hearts that maybe aren't at that place where they're not that open, Lord, I ask that you'd soften our hearts. We just, we just sang, you'd break down those walls. God, you'd break down those barriers. Father, I pray that as you draw people, as you draw us, as you call our name, we'd answer. As you knock, we'd answer. And Lord, today, I thank you 
that it is not us that needs to make the whole distance up to you. But when we begin to draw near to you, you draw near to us. So draw near to us tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to open it just to that key scripture that uh, Lucas just read. And I want to read it again to you just so it's fresh in your head. Um, because this is, it's the key scripture. Nobody told me I had to preach on it, but, you know, it was so good that I wanted to jump off from that place. And so I'd love to dive into this with you guys in 1 Peter chapter 2. He's, of course, talking about people that, right before this verse, he talks about people that are stumbling because they don't believe, right? So when you don't believe what God says, you're going to trip up. And he's talking about people that are stumbling, but then he says, but you... And if you notice how many times in the New Testament, God tells you, I'm going to warn you, there's going to be wacko people over here, there's going to be false teachers over here, there's going to be people doing terrible things over here, and he always at some point goes, but you. Because if you spend your whole life just looking at everybody else and how they're doing it wrong, or looking at how terrible the world is around you, or looking at all the problems, if you're just looking at everybody else and going, well, that's what's wrong with the world. It's those people that are my problem. At some point, you've got to hear what God says. God always says to his people, that's what's out there. You need to know about it. You need to be warned that this is going to happen. In the last days, this will happen. But then he always says, but you. Sometimes he says, but you, beloved. But you, and I really want you to pay attention to when God says, but you, you can't live your life looking at everybody else, because at some point, and I know that we are a body and we're, we're, we're a family together, but at some point, God wants to speak to you and say, but you, but you, and here's what he says, and this is you as a plural you, because he's talking to all of us, but you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, and that word for people in the original language is talking about like an ethnic group, a race, a nation. Once you were not a nation, once you were not a tribe, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So you notice that he's talking about who you used to be, now who are you now? And this is the reality that you've got to get a hold of because um, half of my, a big part of your testimony, a big chunk of your testimony is what God's called you out of. Look what God delivered me from. But my friends, that can't be the biggest part of your testimony. That's not the only part of your testimony. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Then he goes, behold. And the word behold means look at this. So he says like, he said, or actually, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. He says if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Then he goes, behold. So you got to know the old things are dead, the old things are passed away, but what you're meant to look at is new things. Then he says that all these things are from God who, who reconciled us to himself and gave us a ministry of reconciliation. And so I want to tell you, your story might start out with, this is what I was, and God picked me up and rescued me out of darkness, but the greatest part of your testimony cannot be, this is just who I used to be and I don't do that stuff anymore. You see, Jesus didn't go around not sinning. He didn't sin. He was without sin. But if that was his sole identity, is I'm the guy that doesn't do bad things, nobody would have been healed. Nobody would have been delivered. 
right? It wasn't the absence of darkness. It was the presence of light in him. So yes, he was without sin. But the Bible says he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And that's your story. I've been rescued out of darkness, but let me tell you, I've been brought into his marvelous light. And what does he tell you? Once you come into that place and you realize who you are, you're his own possession, and you are meant to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called you out of darkness and into light. Because when you step back into light, you've got something to talk about. And for a lot of my years when I was, when I was a teenager, a younger teenager, my struggle was I was trying to figure out what in the world do I have to talk about? I mean, I felt like, you know, you're raised in the church, you, you love Jesus, you love people, but at some point, like junior high, it became about, well, I mean, I know this is what I can do, this is what I can't do. I mean, I remember saying to people, like, I, I, they'd ask me to do stuff with them that I knew was wrong, and I'd say, well, I can't, I'm a Christian, which is like the wimpiest thing you could ever say. I can't. I'm a Christian, I can't. Like if somebody said, you know, you see that puppy, pump, go punch it in the face. You wouldn't go, I can't, I'm a Christian. You'd say like, why would I want to do that? No, I don't want to do that, right? If somebody offers you a jug of bleach, and goes, drink this bleach. You don't go, I can't, I'm allergic. You go, no, I don't want to. But until that reality of who you are now, who am I now? Then you define yourself by what you don't do rather than what you were called to. Thank God for what I'm delivered from. But what have I been delivered to? And he says, I'm not just out of darkness, I'm called into his marvelous light, and it's in that place of light I've got something to proclaim. Now, he calls you a holy nation, a holy nation. What does the word holy mean? It means to be set apart, to be different, to be otherly, like God is holy, right? What does that mean? It means he's different. He's not like us. And yet he's the one, and we'll read this in a minute, 2 Corinthians 6, he's the one that says, be holy, be different, be otherly as I am holy. And I just, I just want to leave you with, or just put this in front of you, that there are some root fears that we have, we all share as humans. And one of those fears is that I, I, I won't belong, like one of the great needs of humanity is to belong to something. Like our great deep need is to belong, to belong to a tribe, a family, somebody. And so out of that great need comes a great fear which is, what if I'm rejected? What if I'm pushed to the edges? One of the things our society does well is if they don't like you, they push you to the fringe. They push you to the edge. One of the things we fear here in North America, there's nobody that's putting you to death because you believe in Jesus. There's nobody that's whipping you because you confess Christ. But you know what we do real good here in North America? If you cross certain lines or you act, if you kind of step outside the norm, we push you to the edges. We push you outside of the camp. We push you to the fringes of society and go, those people, they're not, I mean, these are weirdos. They're out there. And so when you feel that desire to belong and you feel that fear of what if I'm rejected, I want you to know where that comes from. Every fear that we have, every, every, all of those root fears, those deep fears that humanity has comes from those things, from those empty spaces that God's meant to fill. You were created to belong because you were created to belong in his family. He put that there. That's a feature, not a bug. He wants you to belong. So somewhere inside you, you know I'm meant to belong. 
And the problem is in the world, we chase it everywhere and we never find it. We look for it. And we look for ways to belong. I mean, my, my father and mother-in-law um, both came out of different backgrounds. My mother-in-law came out of a background where she had a really rough childhood. There was a lot of abuse. There was a lot of rejection that she faced regularly. And so the way, the place she found, what she felt was acceptance was in the drug community. Those people, they accepted her like her family hadn't accepted her. And so she ran to that, those hippies that, that accepted her. But pretty soon that ran out. That, that had a time limit to it. That never really did the trick. She got to the point where she overdosed, and she died. She saw herself dropping down. She saw herself going, what she believed was going down to hell. She called out to God. She had remembered her grandmother had told her about Jesus. She called out. God brought her back to her body. And right there in the bathroom at that party, she received Jesus. And when she left the bathroom, she saw everything different. These people that used to be her friend didn't want anything to do with her anymore because it wasn't a real acceptance. It was a surface-level thing. But what she found was this whole craving I've had all my life to belong was a craving for God. I have something to tell you. Everything that's broken on the planet is broken because of separation from God. And everything will be made right through reconciliation to God. And that's why it says that old things have passed away, new things have come, and all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself. All those new things, they don't come because the usher gave them to you at the door. They don't come by your pastor just laying hands on you. They don't come by reading the right books or going to the right college. They come because you come back to the one who created you, and he knows why he made you the way he made you. That thing that makes you feel like you're just, you don't fit anywhere, he goes, you fit exactly the way you're meant to fit. In fact, Peter talks about it right here, right, the passage right before we quoted. He's talking about how you are all living stones that are made to fit together to make a house. And who lives in that house? Let me ask, I'm, I'm going to do an age test. I'm going to do an age test, see how many of you grew up in the 90s in youth groups. Who's in the house? Yes! So we're old. <laughs> the rest of you are just like, I don't know what that is. Who's in the house? JC. What we settled for that they called rap would not pass today. But if you remember Carmen, or if you went to a Carmen concert, you hit a next level as a, as a Christian teenager. That was, maybe as a kid, I don't think I went as a teenager, as a kid, that was your introduction into the whole Christian music industry. But back to the scripture. <laughs> when he talks about this house that we build, he's the one that lives in the house. He dwells the house, because what he's talking about is a temple. When Adam and Eve were in the garden. Before there was sin, there was them and there was God. I mean, if you think about it in the Bible, what is a temple? A temple is the place where heaven and earth come together, where God's presence is. So people would go to the temple and go, God's here. Because God's design for humanity was never meant to be outside of his presence. It's like fish outside of water. You ever had, you ever seen, I mean, come on, you guys are from land of the lakes. You know what fish are like when they're out of the water, right? You go on fishing, you put the fish in the boat, that fish is not happy. We weren't created for it. We're desperate 
for his presence, but we don't know that's what we're desperate for. So we look for everything else. And our great fears come out of our great needs, and our great needs were put in us by our own creator, and it was a need for him. We need to belong because he made us to belong. We need to be known because he made us to be known. We fear being known because we're afraid of rejection. But he's the only one that really knows you and will really love you. Our greatest fear is if you knew me, you wouldn't love me. You would reject me. And what we find when we come back to our creators, he knows you like no one ever knows you. He knows even the secret parts of you you don't even know yourself. And he loves you. So when he says here, you're a people for God's own possession. You're a nation that he gets to call his own. I said in the garden, it was like a temple. God was there. They were there. Heaven and earth met in the presence of God. But when they sinned, it all got broken. Death came. And they didn't die right away. They didn't fall to the ground and start choking. So they said, I guess this death thing was a threat that didn't come to pass. But what really happened was that spiritually they died because death is separation from God. And the whole planet starts to deteriorate. And now we know this, that, that everything kind of descends to a state of chaos. There's entropy in the world. There's, there's, you don't leave a car in your yard and it gets to be a better car just letting it sit there. Stuff decays. We decay. We get old. We die. All of the planet is aching, and it's all because of separation. But I got to tell you again, it's all healed through reconciliation. We're about back to God. So I want to read you something from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you would read this with me, I think it'll help. 2 Corinthians 6 starts out with the Apostle Paul saying, you guys are really closed off. And I just want to ask you tonight, and I can't see you, so if you raise your hand, I'll never know. Don't raise your hand, just think about it. How many of you have closed off because someone hurt you, you've been rejected, you fear being rejected, so you, you, you only show certain sides of yourself? And maybe even you feel like the most closed off you are is in church or in a youth group or, or when you're with, because you feel like if they knew me, they wouldn't like what they saw. And maybe you're closed off with God because you feel the same way. And maybe, I don't know, you might even be sitting here going, I'm not sure there is a God. I want to tell you confidently, not only is there a God, but he's the one that created you. He's the one that knows you. He's the one that loves you. He's the one that wants you back. And so here's the deal. If you've been closed off, you're not alone. The Corinthian church was like this too. And Paul says to them, why are you guys so closed off? He says this. He says in 2 Corinthians 6, he, goes, he starts by telling them that you're not small, you're not restrained, you're not held back because of us. You're held back by your own affections. He says, we've opened our heart wide to you, and I want you to know this guy that said that has been burned a thousand times. I mean, like one of his last letters is like, you know, all my friends, everyone in Asia has deserted me. All my friends left me. Some of my friends snitched on me. I'm in prison, and they wouldn't visit me. I mean, he'd been betrayed. He'd been backstabbed, and yet here he is going, I've opened my heart wide to you. I remember when I was a teenager, one of the verses they told us so that we wouldn't like date too many people or something, was uh, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the wellsprings of life. Does anybody know that verse? That's a great verse. Hold it tight. One of the problems that w when you don't understand it is 
you might hear that verse and you say, I really need to guard my heart. I really need to keep people from hurting me. So in the name of guarding my heart, I'm going to close it real time. I'm not going to let anybody that close to me. And what you've done is the very thing you were supposed to guard against. Because he says, guard your heart because out of it's supposed to flow life. If you close your heart, there's nothing coming out of it. There's no life that blesses anybody. There's, there's nothing that brings that, that air of God. So what he's saying is guard it so that it doesn't become closed. And here, the Corinthian church has closed themselves off, and he says, open your heart like us. We've opened our heart to you. We've opened our mouth to you. Like, like children, we're asking you, open our, your hearts wide to us. And he says, you know, your problem is, is you've been bound together with idolatry. You've let all this other stuff come in, and it's caused you to be divided. And then he says this, and I want you to see it in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I love this passage, and I really want you to love it too. So mark it, put a bookmark, read it later. If it makes no sense tonight, read it again and again. Ask questions, but read this with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He says, um, and I want to start a little bit earlier. He says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Belial was a, another name for Satan or the Lord of demons. He says, what portion does a believer have with the unbeliever? He's not saying you can't have friends that don't know Jesus. He's, he's saying, why are you partnering he says, you're supposed to be opening your heart wide to us. You're close to us, but you're partnering with unbelievers. Why is that? What do you have in common? He says this. He says, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. Remember what I said a temple was? It's the place where God lives. And heaven and earth come together. And, and everything wrong is made right. And, and the garden was the temple, but they lost it. But then when the, the Israelites came out of Egypt, God said, build me a tent, a tabernacle, a mobile temple, and wherever you go, I go with you because I want my tent in the middle of your tents. I want to live with you. God's desire for all of creation is to live with his people, to dwell amongst us. That's why, like, tonight, I, I mean, and, or any time you have a gathering of believers, whether it's in your home or your school or a church or youth group, whatever, it's in those times that you're never like, hey, you'll really like these people. I hope you like the music. I hope you like the lighting. All of that's fine. But what you really want is for someone to meet God. Because if they meet God, they'll never be the same again. If you meet me, you might not like me. You might not like the way I talk. You might not like the music. It's too loud. You might not like the lights. It's too soft. Whatever. I don't know. But, but there's, there's stuff. That's not the point. But when you meet with God, everything's different. So... God wanted to be amongst the people. Build me a tabernacle. They did. And he lived among them. They knew his presence. David says, I want to build you a real house. It's not fair that you live in a tent and I live in a mansion. So God says to him, your son will build it for me. They build a giant temple, a place where heaven and earth come together. God's presence is. But in the book of John, I mean, that temple got torn down, then another one gets built, and Herod builds this temple. But in the book of John, chapter 1, it says... In the beginning was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He goes on later, and he says that the Word became flesh, and it dwelt amongst us. The word dwelt was the Greek word for tabernacle. The Word became flesh, and 
lived right in the middle of our tents. And we beheld his glory. We saw him for who he was, full of grace and full of truth. In the New Testament, Jesus carried the presence of God wherever he went. But then he left something with us. He left his spirit and he goes, now you're the temple. The church, God's people, we're the temple. And he says, you're the temple of the living God, the place. You are the mobile tent that brings God's presence wherever you go. Your school, your, 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 your job, your, wherever you go to have fun, whatever it is, you're bringing God's presence there. And things change when God's there. And this is why he says this. He says, we're the temple of the living God. And he says, and he quotes from the Old Testament, God's promise I will make my dwelling among them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be, come apart from them, be separate from them, says the Lord. Don't touch any unclean thing, and I will welcome you, and I'll be a father to you, and you'll be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. And I love what he says. Since we have these promises, let's come and be different. See, God never called you to be holy without him. Like, your holiness is not about the people you're different from. We don't fit with them. We don't do this. Because that kind of holiness is just dead religion. Holiness that's based on other people. At least I'm not like them. Jesus told a parable about that kind of guy who goes, thank God I'm not like that loser. And Jesus says that guy's not going to be forgiven because he he's, all, he's all about himself. But a holiness that he's talking about, a differentness, an otherness, is when you come to God and he has promises, I will be a father to you. You'll be my people. You'll be my sons and daughters. You'll be my people. I'll live among you. And that's where holiness comes from, being with God. And when I was growing up, a lot of the youth conferences really lived in the Old Testament because that's where the stories were and that's how you keep teenagers engaged to tell stories. Which Old Testament stories are awesome and we should know them. But if you don't tell somebody how you're going to do that in, in Jesus, in Christ, who you are, how can you do that? That's going to be a problem. Like if all you know is Samson got tempted, compromised with a woman, lost all his strength and died, you're going to be sitting there going, like, what's the message? Like, don't let women cut your hair. Don't work out too much. Don't tie torches to foxes' tails. Read about that later. That's a fun story of animal cruelty. It's a great way to get back at your father-in-law. But the real message here is like those stories are awesome, but like morality without the presence of God is impossible. Without you being somebody different, without you being a new creation, you could never do it. You could tell all the morality tales you want without the spirit of God. You'd never accomplish it. He never says be different from them because they're, they're dumb. Be different from them because they're evil. He says be different like me. Come to me. And there's this point, and I'm wrapping up with this. In Hebrews, there's this poignant moment where he says... And he's talking to people that have lost their homes. They've lost their jobs. They were kicked out of their synagogue. He's talking to Jewish people who lost their place in society because they confessed Jesus as Messiah. They were occupied by the Romans, and so all they had 
was their family and their faith. Everything had been taken away from them. But when they confessed Jesus, their family said, we're done with you. Their synagogue said, they're done with you. So they lost the very thing that they clung to. They didn't have family. They didn't have faith anymore. They just had Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews writes this. Since Jesus went outside the camp for you, bearing your shame, let us go outside the camp and meet him there, bearing his shame. And I just want to say this because I realize a lot of you are having to make big decisions in your life where God is saying there is a camp that you want to fit in, but I'm not there. And you'll never fit. You were never made to fit there. So you're always going to feel out of place. You're always going to feel this gnawing thing, and then you say, I'll never fit, and you'll always fear rejection because that's what happens when you don't fit. You fear rejection. You're desperate to fit. And so there's a great fear that if I, if I'm too, if I'm too, if I stand up for Christ or if I, if I, ex, if I proclaim this stuff that he's telling, you know, he's saying you should proclaim you're people of light. If I act like that, they'll push me to the edges. They'll think, I, they'll think I'm one of those, the, the, those just way out there Christians. They'll push me to the fringes. I will not fit there. And good, you're not meant to. But what happens is you leave your camp. And when you leave your camp, you leave all those things behind you that you thought, you thought were safe. And you look out at the camp and you feel like I'm alone. I'm by myself. You begin to walk outside into the desert. In that place where you're a bit of a social outcast. That place where you just don't know where you fit. You're looking at the ground going, what I do? I should never have gone to that stupid purpose conference. <laughs> I should never gone. I should never have listened to those people. And you look up and you see Jesus. And he goes, this is where you belong with me. You're part of my tribe now. You're part of my nation now. I brought you out, not so you could just be outside, but I brought you out of that so you could come in. He said to the Israelites, I did not bring you out of Egypt to die. I brought you out of Egypt so I could bring you into the promised land. I get a sense tonight, there are many of you, I think it's so cool that this is called the Purpose Conference, because I think there's many of you who know I'm supposed to be different, but you don't know why, you don't know the purpose behind it, so it just seems like, what are we, Amish, you know, we just not believe in microwaves, like, I'm just supposed to be different, what does that mean? And if you build your, your differentness, your otherness, based on, well, I'm not like them, that's a man-made religion, it'll kill you. But if you say, all I want to do is be like you, like a kid looking up at his father or his mother, I want to be like you. And Jesus welcomes you. He says, be part of my tribe. And that's the tribe that will bring healing. That's the tribe that's going to be reconciliation. He says, we're agents of reconciliation. Like, we don't get to just be like the super religious in Jesus' day and say, we're going to separate ourselves, stay away, sinner. It's us now. It's us and no more. Like, we're the people God chose. We get to be the ones that say, if you only knew what I'd received, you know I'm full of joy. You know why I got this peace, but I got to tell you, I'm a minister. I'm an agent of reconciliation. God wants you back. Somebody might say, well, be back. I've never been a Christian. I didn't even believe in God. And he goes, well, God wants you back because he created you. He knows you. You may not know him, but he knows you. So I want to put this out to you. 
that some of you don't, you know the old things that are passed away, but you don't yet know the new things that have come. And my prayer for you tonight is that God would show you in this conference some of those new things he's put in your life. Some of the gifts that you have on your life. Some of the purpose, some of the reason you exist. And when I found out why I existed, life made sense again. Felt like a fish in the water instead of a fish flopping around on the beach. I wonder if you could stand with me. We're going to pray together. And I want to pray first and foremost over anybody here that um, you've dealt with rejection and you need to be healed. You've been rejected. Now, some of you have been rejected for the sake of Christ. Some of you have just been rejected because life is not always fair and it's broken and people are broken too. And Sometimes people rejected you for no good reason at all. But whatever it is, the only thing that's going to heal it is the acceptance of God. We're like, we're like a Phillips screwdriver trying to fit into a flathead screw. It just doesn't work. You've been trying to fit into a world that just doesn't, it's not made for you, you're not made for it. So I want to just ask if there's anybody here that has dealt with rejection, you're dealing with it right now, and there's some healing in your own heart. I'm, on, I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm not going to call you up on stage and make you stand in front of everybody. But if you would do something for me, if you just lift your hands to, to Jesus right now, I want to pray for the healing presence of God. I want to pray that God would draw you close. And in his presence, you'd say, aha, that's why I don't fit, and that's why I never want to fit. I was made to fit to him. I was made to fit with him. I was made to belong in his family. I know where I belong. I'm, I'm healed. I'm whole. I'm restored. And healed people go around healing people. Restored people going to bring restoration with them. Reconciled people are ministers of reconciliation. When you get this, it's contagious. When you get this, you don't go around hurting people. You don't go around rejecting people. Instead, you can't wait. You can't wait for them to find what you found. There's life here. There's, there's something here you've been chasing all your life. And so that fear that's in you, that has gripped you, Jesus has delivered you from. The book of Hebrews says he takes hold of us and he has stripped the power of death from Satan who had it so that he might set free those who the, through the fear of death have been slaves all your life. Maybe you were afraid of physically dying, but do you realize we're afraid of all sorts of things dying? We're afraid of relationships dying. We're afraid of our reputation dying. We're afraid of we're, our place dying. But I want you to know we serve a God of resurrection and life. And so anything that dies, that needs to die, can die. But when we come to him, we live. We don't fear death anymore. We're not slaves all our life. We belong again. And so with your hands raised, we're going to pray for you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, heal my friends. Your kids you created and you made them in, in a way that they may not even understand yet but you made them to fit into you
and you made them to fit together into a house that you want to live in. And so, Lord, I'm praying that for every soul that's been damaged by the cruelty and the brutality of, of a sinful, broken world, that you would restore their heart again. You said you would take hearts of stone and turn them into hearts of flesh. Heal the brokenhearted, bind up their wounds. Heal my friends. And Lord, draw them near to yourself right now in the presence of God. I'm asking, Lord, that you would give them a special taste of the love of God. Could you just receive God's love? You know, God's love is freely given, but it's got to be freely received. You can't give away something you've never received. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, freely you've received, now freely give it away. Some of us have never learned how to freely give anything because we first have to learn how to freely receive. Freely means without cost and without limit. God's love for you, his mercy for you, his kindness towards you is without you having to do a thing for it, and it's without limit. It doesn't have an expiration date. doesn't have a measure. It's just poured out on you. So receive it in Jesus' name. And I want to do one more thing tonight. I believe that there are some of you right now that have been, you've been asking God to give you boldness. You've been asking God to make you brave. And maybe you've been battling some of the same things I battled at, at a younger age where I just, I did not want to stand out. I did not want to be that weirdo. I mean, I remember in junior high, it was kill or be killed. It was the National Geographic channel. I did not want to stand out and get hammered down. But then I found where I belonged. And if God is calling you outside the camp, he says, meet me here. I'm going to meet you outside the camp. I want you to come out from among them. I want you to be different. I want you to come out and come to my tribe, come to my tents, come to my campsite, come to where my people live. I'm calling you out to call you in. You belong here. You fit here. You may not feel like you belong, but it says he fits us together. He smooths the rough edges out. He straightens out the crooked things. But the first thing he does is call your name. Guys, he can't fix anything. He can't straighten it. He won't. He won't fix or straighten or, or, or sand anything out before you come to him. He's saying, first, just take a step to me. Then I'll make all the other things right. You just take a step to me. Because everything that needs, everything in you that's broken is broken from separation. But everything in you that's going to be made right is going to be made right by being reconciled to me. So if that's you, would you do something brave tonight? Would you take a step out? And I want you to join me up right here. Because sometimes our physical steps got to match our spiritual steps. Sometimes you got to do something that you're going to remember next week. Would you join me right here? And I'm going to pray for you that God would fill you with the spirit of boldness. That you would know where you belong. That you would know that you fit. That you would find in him those new things that he's placed in you. There would be giftings. There would be grace coming out of your life that you didn't know. Come on up right now. Because God is ministering to us new things. He's ministering to you new things. He has called you out so he could call you in. God has put a grace and anointing on your life. God has called you by name. 
And all those little things, there are some things in me, guys. There are some things in me that had to die. But there are other things in me that I never understood. I never understood why they were there. You ever have a light switch in your house and you just don't know why it's there? Then one day somebody's flicking it and you go, whoa, that does that? It's like that. Like God has created stuff in you that you don't even know why it's there. Till all of a sudden you come into his presence, he goes, this is it. And you go, that's why I'm like this? I thought I was broken. I thought I was damaged. I thought I was the weird toy nobody bought. I, I thought I was like, I just thought I was out there. And he goes, no, this is why I made you this way. I'm uniting you to your purpose again. And you can be united to your purpose when you're not, you can, the reason you were created, you find that out in the presence of your creator. So I'd like you just right now, we're going to pray over you. And I want everybody to just stretch your hands out. Leaders, you can come behind people, but we're going to pray right now that God would meet you right here. We're in the presence of God, and the Bible says in his presence, we're laid bare. I said one of the great fears was that we would be rejected because we want to belong. Another great fear that people have is to be known. I said this earlier. We're afraid to be really known because if we were really known, would we still be really loved? And I want you to know God knows you, and he sees you, and he sees the hidden things, and he sees the things you don't even know are there, and he still accepts you, and he loves you. Nathaniel said to Jesus, how do you know me? You know me? Jesus said, I knew you. I saw you, and here's what I have for you. And today God says, I know you, I see you, and here's what I have for you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, would you minister to my friends new life, new strength, new gifts, new grace on them, that as they come out, they would not just come out from among the, the, the rest of society, their culture, and just be like, what am I doing here? They'd find you there. They'd find you, Lord. I'm praying for a, a, just a rediscovery of who you are. That, Lord, they wouldn't be able to get away from it. When they go home tonight, there's your presence. When they leave this conference, there's your presence. When they go to school, and they go to work, there's your presence. That they just be so aware of you. That you're in every conversation, you're in every relationship. So come on out and be different. Come on out and be different. I'm going to ask the worship team to lead us in a song. And I, I want you to do something right now. When they lead us, just worship God. This is your, this is your time right now. This is ministry time. As you worship... As you just start to just let God, like if you've never, I want to tell you, if you've never lifted your hands, just do it. Do something you've never done before. Why not, right? But I want you to do something. I want you to just let God minister to your heart. And what he's going to do is he's going to start to talk to you. And there's going to be areas where you go, he's going to say, this is where I want you to come out of, and this is what I want you to step into. And here's the good news. He's going to do it with you right? He's going to do it with you. So there's a song that my, my wife likes to sing, and it just goes, this is how you walk on water, one foot in front of the other. 
And so this is how you walk on water. This is how you walk in faith. You don't, you don't plan out the whole journey yet. You don't have to figure out every step, but just one foot in front of the other. Just do the first thing that God's getting you to do, and then the next thing will come, and then the next thing, and the next thing. God's not asking you to figure it all out, but he does want to put in your heart tonight, what's that next thing? And all you got to say is, yes, Lord, I'll do it. I'll step out. I'll step in. Lord, all I want is you. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, team.